Well, good morning to you. Uh, it is uh, on behalf of uh, the family. Thank you all for coming just to show just an incredible amount of uh, encouragement uh, and support. Uh, we are here to, uh, for this service uh, in celebration of Gail Bridgewoods' life. And it's just, uh, again, an encouragement just to see you all here, just to honor her memory. And my prayer for this morning is just uh, three things. One, that the, the, the Lord uh, may be glorified and honored in our time together. Uh, second, that uh, we would just join our hearts and our minds in thinking about uh, Gail Bridgewood, thinking about her life, uh, talking about her, uh, and also, uh, lastly, that uh, that this would also be just a a, a comfort and uh, an encouragement uh, to the family, to those who are uh, who mourn and are still grieving. Uh, that as much as we want to think about Gail and, and her life. You know, let's also think about uh, family members as well, uh, those that she loved dearly, and just thinking about them and supporting them and encouraging them. And so my prayer is that they would be encouraged and comforted in our time together. So uh, let me just open us up in a word of prayer. So if you would, please bow your heads with me as I, as I pray. Good and gracious Father. Your word tells us that you are the God of all comforts. Your word tells us also that you are near to the brokenhearted and to those who are crushed in spirit. We thank you, Lord, because because you care, because you love. And Father, we, we pray this morning especially for all the loved ones, Lord, who who mourn Gail's absence. God, we pray that you would draw near to them this very morning. God, that you would comfort their hearts, that you would grant their minds peace, and that even as they mourn, that they would at the same time rejoice in knowing that Gail is with you for all of eternity. We pray that you may be honored in our time together. Help us to join our hearts to, to think about her and to encourage the family. And Lord, we do thank you for her life. We thank you for the ways that you have orchestrated her life in different ways. We thank you for saving her through Christ. We thank you for her family. We thank you, Lord, for the many lives that she has touched and so we want to give this time to you, and we pray that you may use it, Lord, for your glory and to comfort those who still mourn. We entrust these things to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Which commandment in the law is the greatest? 
Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are known as the great commandments. My mom's life truly exemplifies those commandments. She surely loved her God. She possessed an unshakable sense of faith, no matter the trials placed into her life. Mom experienced many setbacks and disappointments in her life. Her parents were divorced when she was very young. She lost my older sister, Mary, after only a few days. That was a period of time where you were just expected to suck it up and move on with your life. Mom never got to see her child. She never got to hold her child or anything. Mom experienced other loss as well, the death of her parents in the 70s, loss of two siblings, my Aunt Allison and Uncle Dwayne, and the loss of her stepmother, Glenna, and her beloved stepfather, my granddad, Glenn. I don't think Mom ever thought of him as anything less than her true father. He was simply Daddy Kelp. In 1981, my parents separated, and Mom experienced her own divorce. Throughout these trials and all of the heartache, I think it would be understandable for a person to question their faith in God. But I never saw those doubts from her. Mom just kept on believing in her own quiet way, trusting in God's plan for her life. She may have looked and acted like a meek and timid little old lady, but the reality was that she had a fierce bond with the Lord. She was a member of this church for over 40 years. She was active in lots of ministries when she was still physically able to do so, and this church held a very special place in her heart. And she would talk fondly of the people that came into her life throughout this congregation. She missed being able to come here so much. The second of the greatest commandments was to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think mom's greatest quality was her compassion. She never met anybody that she wasn't willing to help. Some people spend their lives trying to care for stray animals. My mom took care of stray people. There was always room for somebody else at our table. If you walked in the door, you were a part of our family forever. When I was in the Air Force, I was stationed about five hours away, and so I could come home quite often for the weekend. I'd pull into the driveway and wonder, hmm, who am I going to meet tonight? It could be somebody she met at church. It could be a friend who was going through hard times. It could be a friend of Robin's or Glenn's or Trish's. I would ask her, Mom, how do you know if that person can be trusted? They're in your house. Her answer was always rooted in her belief that the person needed help, and she was going to give it to them, regardless of any potential consequences. Mom was the queen of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, and so on. I don't think the words last chance were in her vocabulary at all. Mom's open-door policy wasn't just for strangers. Our friends were always welcome. She viewed them as an extension of the family anyway. And I, swear that, I swear there were times she liked them better than she liked us. Before I left for the Air Force, my friends and I would gather on the occasional Sunday mornings to play some football out in the, the, the field, and then we'd come back to our house and crash on the floor and watch some NFL games. Mom always got a kick out of that, and she talked about it for years and years and years afterwards. And I'm sure that Glenn, Robin, and Trish could tell similar stories. 
She enjoyed all of our school activities, the plays, the band shows, the flag team, all of it. Mom uh, valued the relationships in her life. She had a tremendous memory. And would, she'd ask things like, do you remember so-and-so from when we lived in Louisiana? And that one Tuesday afternoon that she came over and we played cards, you were wearing a blue shirt and it rained earlier that morning. And questions like that were routine with mom. The level of detail that she could remember from years and years and years ago was staggering. I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but mom could toss out names, dates, and places like nobody I've ever seen. We had a lot of these conversations the last couple of years as mom was confined to her bed. It made her happy to reminisce about all those happy times in her life. Recently, her friend of many decades, Kathy, came to visit, and they spent some time together. That was a very special day for my mom. I'm grateful she got to experience that. For mom, it all came down to family. She took such great joy in hearing about our accomplishments, and she agonized about our setbacks. She always wanted updates about the grandkids. She loved them all unconditionally. She hated getting her picture taken, and as we were going through the pictures of the for the funeral home, it's downstairs, you'll see them, it was hard to find ones where she was smiling unless she was talking with or playing with or interacting with one of the kids. Her face would light up and the adoration she had for them would just shine through. Mom also loved spending time with her extended family. Her siblings were so important to her and she couldn't wait until her next road trip to see them in Colorado. Even just a few years ago, she was talking about possibly moving to Denver for a while to be closer to them. Had her health not prevented it, I'm sure she would have followed through with that. She talked about the Memorial Day weekend camping trips that most of the clan took to some campground with a funny name up in the mountains, the day trips to different attractions around Denver and, and uh, uh, the foothills, and the meals that they shared. When we moved back to New England, Mom was able to reconnect with her cousin Jack and his wife Marta. Over the years, she and Jack grew very close. Mom and Bill made many trips up to the island over the years, exploring the coast of Maine, and visiting as many lighthouses as they could possibly find. Jack's passing affected her greatly. I have no doubt that Jack was one of the first to greet her at the pearly gates. And they're right now engaged in some deep philosophical conversation that only the two of them could possibly understand. Mom shaped our lives in all the ways that you would expect a mother to. She taught us humility, grace, charity, service to others. She showed us how to be grateful for the things we have in this life. I'm grateful that we were able to gather today to celebrate this remarkable woman. I'm grateful for the time I got to spend with her over the last few years. I'm so, so grateful to my sister Robin who has become, who has borne much of the load over the past few years, even as she has dealt with so many other issues in her own life. I see so much of mom and Robin. So I'm confident that the lessons that mom taught us will continue to flourish and to be passed on to everybody that comes into contact with Robin. Finally, my brothers, my brother, my sisters, and I, we're so thankful and grateful for William. Bill and mom were together for almost 35 years. They had a strong marriage and a deep love for each other. 
The last few years were hard years as mom's health deteriorated. Nobody expects to spend their golden years like this, but Bill never wavered. Bill, on behalf of Robin and Glenn and Trish, I want you to know that we are so very grateful for the love and care that you provided to mom. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I'm grateful that mom was able to pass at home. She was so adamant. You know how stubborn she was. She was so adamant that she didn't want to go to a home or to a hospital. And the care bill that you provided for her the last couple of years allowed her that dignity. Thank you. I'm so grateful for the time we spent with her during the last week of her life. There were tears. There were laughter. It was physically and emotionally draining. But it gave us some memories that we'll cherish for the rest of our days. I listen to a station on Sirius XM satellite radio that my wife actually hates. It's called Outlaw Country. <laughs> One of the artists that pops up there from time to time is a blues rock and roller from Texas named Ray Wiley Hubbard. He's in his 70s now, and as he's grown older, his music has changed, his perspective has changed. He has a song about the changes in his life and the perspective of growing older. There's a line in that song that resonates with me, and it says, And the days that I keep my gratitude higher than my expectations, well, I have really good days. I really think this is the way my mom lived her life. And because of the things that she instilled in all of us, we have all had a lot of really good days with more to come. Thank you for listening to this. Bill thought it was a little long. I told him I trimmed some of it. And we would like to invite you to join us downstairs after the service for some lunch and some memories. Let's laugh and celebrate mom together. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. But for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of thine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
Please stand and sing.
Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 41. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This morning I am reading from uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, reading verses 7 through 10. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. May the Lord continue to bless our time together. For those of you who may be familiar with some of the context behind this passage, may be wondering where in the world is he going with this. For those of you who may not be familiar, have probably more so are wondering what does this have anything to do with anything. But I hope that you'll bear with me because it will uh, all come together. Empathy is a, something that makes us human to be able to sort of wear the shoes of another person, to be able to understand what they're going through, to try to understand their emotions, to try to feel what they feel. It's something that makes us human. It's something that is given to us by the Lord himself. I mean, you cannot truly love others until you first learn to empathize with others, with their concerns, with their frustrations, with their sufferings. And in a way, empathy is a way of seeing. It's seeing with the eyes of the soul, the eyes of one's emotions, to be able to see the concerns of others, to see the things that they are going through. Now, in this particular passage, we see God's empathy. His people have been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. And what we read here in the passage is that God is not a God who turns his eyes away from the sufferings of his people. He's not not a God that pretends that it isn't happening. He isn't a God that turns a deaf ear. 
and does not hear the cry of his people. But no, the passage actually says that God sees and that God hears. I have seen the affliction of my people and have heard their cry. And I know their sufferings. God sees, God hears, and God knows. He empathizes with the sufferings of his people. Gail was a person of great empathy. I've heard her family give so many different adjectives to describe her personality, her character, the way that she conducted herself, the way that she lived her life, especially with regards to others, that she's a person who cares about others, a person who tries to stand where they are at and see what they are going through, a person who tries to understand the concerns and the frustrations and the sufferings of others. Not only that, but her family also describes her as the kind of person who tries to look at the best in people, to see the good that is in them. And that requires a great degree of empathy. When people think less of themselves, when people think that they are not capable of any good, that they have done no good, it takes an incredible amount of empathy to look at somebody square in the eye and be able to say to them, I see you. I see where you're at. I can understand what you're going through. But I also see some good. And I believe that you can do better. It takes empathy to sympathize with those who are broken and hurting. And it takes a great level of empathy to peel back the layers and to move around just the messiness that people have in their lives and to be able to go far enough to see the good in others. And that was the kind of person that Gail was. But empathy is only one step. If all we did was empathize with people, then all we are doing is just simply jumping into the quicksand with them. And ultimately, it does them no good, and it doesn't do any good to us either. When we turn back to the passage here in Exodus, again, God sees, God hears, and God knows the sufferings of his people. And then you come to verse 8 in that passage, where it says, where God says, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out, out of that land to a good a broad, and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God sees, God hears, and God knows, and it says that God himself has come down from heaven to deliver his people. More than just deliver his people, God did not intend to just deliver them and free them and just let them go and say, all right, you're all on your own. But no, he actually also intended to bring them to a different place, a prosperous land, a land in which they can prosper. See, deliverance was only the first step. God intended to do a lot more, and in this way we see the great compassion of God. And compassion, another word that we are familiar with, but often is defined in a similar manner to empathy. Compassion is often defined as 
feeling of pity and concern for the, for the sufferings and the plight of others. And that is true. That is a part of compassion, but it's not the only part of compassion. One psychologist by the name of Paul Bloom, author of a book titled Against Empathy, he argues that compassion, love, concern, and motivation to help others in their sufferings is more helpful and healthy than empathy, which is the ability to feel the pain of others. So compassion goes a step further than empathy and finds a way to try to help the person out of the quicksand. And when we turn our attention to this particular passage, we see the empathy of God, but we, more, we see more so the compassion of God. Empathy and compassion both there in the passage and both display the incredible love of God towards his people. If all we saw was the empathy of God, then there would be no deliverance. I feel for you, I understand what you're going through, but I'm not going to do anything for you. And if all we saw was the act of God in salvation, but no empathy towards his people, it would simply just be a salvation out of duty and not out of love. But no, here we see the great love of God and his being empathetic towards his people, but also compassionate towards his people. And if we fast forward much later to the time of the New Testament, to the time of Jesus on earth, in Matthew 4, 15, it tells us, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the, and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that passage is actually a quote from a much earlier passage in the Old Testament, a passage that was intended to foretell the coming of the light of the world, who was Jesus, the Son of God, who would come down into the world, live the perfect life, to go to the cross, die at the hands of sinners, and be raised from the dead three days later, so that anyone who believes in the Son of God and entrusts their life to Him and follows Him is spared of the judgment of God for their sins and is given mercy and grace and eternal life with God. And in this way, again, we see the great compassion of God and sending the light of the world, the Son of God, into a world that the Scriptures describe, a world filled with darkness. God shows His empathy and His compassion in sending His Son to die for His people. And in that way, we see the incredible love of God. And as we turn our hearts and our minds to dear Gail Bridgewood, we not only see the empathy, the empathy that she displayed, but we also see incredible, great compassion that she had towards people. Her life was a display of wonderful acts of service. As, if you, as you heard from, from Michael's uh, eulogy, a person who had, was incredibly hospitable, always had an open home, inviting many people from friends and family members, but more even on top of that, complete strangers, people from the streets, people who didn't have a home would even have people, kids come in their, in, in their home and take care of them until they can get off their feet and be on their own again. 
Compassion is not only seeing the suffering of others, but it is also leaving the person better than they were before. And she did that numberless times throughout her life. It requires care, it requires love, and it requires intentionality. The very things that God displayed towards her, that empathy, that compassion, that love, is the way that she acted towards others. We see that this is what God did for his suffering people. And this is what God also does for those who put their faith and trust upon Jesus. This is what God intended to do for his people, to leave them better than they were before. That's why he sent his son into the world, so that whoever believes may receive forgiveness and grace, but more than that, receive an eternal dwelling with God, a home forever and ever. God intends to leave us better than they were before. And it's incredible just to see that, or at least to hear that that is the kind of life that Gail lived towards others, a compassionate life that always intended to leave people better than they were before. So even as we mourn this morning, we can also take great comfort And knowing that as compassionate as she has been towards others, the Lord has been compassionate towards her, delivering her out of the Egypt of the world and now is in an eternal dwelling in the heavens with her great God and Savior in the presence of Jesus Christ, having a home there forever and ever. And I'm not entirely sure what heaven is like, but I'm sure from what I know about her, that she's probably keeping an open home there as well. Inviting others, being hospitable to others, and encouraging others. Today we celebrate Gail's life while also mourning her absence. And yet we can rejoice at the same time because she lived a good life, a life of great compassion towards others, having received the love and compassion of God herself in her own life in a personal way. And in that love, she is now at everlasting rest and everlasting joy in the presence of God and Christ. So to, uh, to conclude, let me read to you a passage from Numbers Chapter 6, number 624, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let me pray for us. God, you are a God of great compassion. And even now, you extend your compassion, Lord, to those who are mourning. God, we pray that you would bring peace and comfort 
and at the same time that you would bring great rest, Lord, and also a sense of joy knowing that you have welcomed your daughter home, that she is dwelling with you in the heavens, that she is forever rejoicing in the God that she so loved. We pray that you would remind us of these truths always, Lord. We pray, God, that in your love, that you may continue to display your peace and your comfort to those who are mourning. And that in this time, they may see that love that you have so vividly displayed in Jesus Christ. Lord, so we thank you for this time. We pray that you would bless the rest of our time uh, together this afternoon. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You are, uh, uh, that is the conclusion of, uh, of our time this morning. You are invited uh, to make your way downstairs uh, to the fellowship hall just to, for some, uh, some refreshments and uh, food uh, and the time just to, just to, as, uh, as was mentioned, to, to laugh and recall just wonderful memories about Gail and to show your support uh, to the family. So thank you all for, for being here, and you are welcome to, uh, as soon as you're ready, make your way down to the fellowship hall.